welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. Our special guest author, the one and only Raymond Arroyo, Turnabout Tales, The Magnificent Mischief of Tad Lincoln, published by Zonder Kids, and naturally and proudly available through the EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com for all things Catholic. And Ray, you're joining us from your studio in Washington, D.C. for the world over. Great to see you. I am indeed. Thank you, Doug. Pleasure to be with you as always. Right, and we'll have a special uh, discussion at the end, uh, a musical discussion that we can talk about uh, after yes, we talk about a new uh, project. Right, exactly. Uh, can't keep a good man down. Absolutely. So let's talk <laughs> about uh, this particular book, The Magnificent Mischief of Tad Lincoln. Now, now that's kind of a follow-up then to your Edison book, right? It is. Well, you know, the Edison book was about a son who was saved by his mother. This is really the story of a father who is saved by his son. And I focused on Tad Lincoln because, you know, Doug, this is part of the Turnabout Tales series. It's a new series I launched with Zonder Kids and HarperCollins. And it focuses on young lives at times in distress. And look, many young people deal with the problems that these historical figures dealt with. And so my thinking was, let's expose young people mm -hmm. to these historic lives and show them the challenges, the obstacles you're facing today. That's not the end of your journey. That's mm -hmm. the beginning of your journey. So our tagline for the series is, challenges faced, decisions made, history turned. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens in this story. Tad Lincoln was Abraham Lincoln's youngest son. His brother Willie dies in the right. White House. There were only the two boys living in the White House at the time. Willie dies. Tad is left alone. He and his father become inseparable. Mm -hmm. And they teach each other lessons, Doug, about forgiveness, about mercy. And it culminates in what many people probably don't know anything of. But the Lincolns, particularly Tad Lincoln, had a major influence on not only Thanksgiving, but a national tradition that continues right. to this day. And I see it as a monument right. of the love and the mercy and the forgiveness between this father, Abe Lincoln, and his son, Tad Lincoln. And that's the story I wanted to right. introduce families to, whom I'm, I would bet money have never heard of Tad Lincoln before. Right. What about you? You had heard about Tad Lincoln. What made you interested in him? Why did you check out his story? Yeah. Well, you know, as a reporter, Doug, I'd seen that turkey pardon at the White House every year. Every mm -hmm. year the president brings a turkey out, he pardons it, and that's kind of the kickoff of the Thanksgiving week. Okay, it happens at the beginning of the week normally of Thanksgiving. Um, what I realized by doing a lot of research is mm -hmm. Tad Lincoln was, and his father, kind of instituted that tradition. Mm -hmm. And this is, and it's a personal family story. It came out of their family pain and how they coped with it. And mm -hmm. I thought, this is a great, important story and lesson for us today. What Thanksgiving was meant to be, right. it was seen as, by Lincoln, as a holiday and a season of forgiveness mm -hmm. and mercy and begging mercy from God. And that really is the strain that runs through the entire story. But no, I'd never heard of Tad Lincoln before. I'd read Lincoln biographies. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess his name crossed my right. eyes, but I never really understood who he was or why he right. mattered. Now I do, and I hope generations of people will be able to understand why, because it's an important story. He died young as well, as we all know Abraham Lincoln did, did too. Right, and of course, most people, if they were to hear stories about children, they would have been thinking about the son who had died. 
uh, you know, against the backdrop, yeah. obviously, really. of the Civil War. But it's interesting that not only was he left alone with, without his best friend here in the White House, but he grew up also with a lisp, so he had difficulty dealing with children. So, yeah. as you indicate, he dealt mostly with adults, right? Yeah, well, he had a cleft palate, mm -hmm. and it, it seems from the historic record, Tad Lincoln also had some learning issues, which it made him cleave to his parents. They were extremely close. And he really, he turned the White House into his backyard. I mean, he had goats and sheep. And half of the book is Tad and his brother just having a grand old time being kids in the White House. And there were members of the staff who said, this kid is a hellion. He's out of control. The Lincolns indulged this child. But as I looked at the whole story and their time in the White House, I think Mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln remained so close to Tad and indulged his childish appetites and his jokes and his pranks and the disasters he, he made because it was a touch of normalcy and a touch of joy mm -hmm. in an otherwise gloomy and very dark time in our nation's history. Right. And Lincoln had, had the war on his shoulders. He was losing the war and he, he had lost his son. And I think the, the depression was overwhelming to him. Tad Lincoln was his reminder of right. the goodness and the joy and the sweetness and the fun on right. the far side of that tragedy. And that's why I think that relationship right. became what it became. And we have this beautiful national reminder of it, which people can learn more about in the magnificent mischief of Tad Lincoln. Right. And it's also interesting, too, because, of course, that was at a time where the White House really was the home of the president and his family, more so than it is yeah. today, right? Yeah. Well, the president, I mean, they've always lived there, but it wasn't quite the fortress right. it is today. Right. You know, when I, when I saw photos, when I did research for the book, people would line up, individual citizens, at the door of the White House. They'd form a line going to beg mercy from the president so they could get pardons during the war for their sons who had abandoned or were sick or had left the battlefield. And in 82 percent mm -hmm. of the cases, if they got to Abraham Lincoln, and many of them did, he would grant them the pardon. So he did kind of have a generous heart. He was a right. merciful person. And Tad Lincoln is watching all of that at his side and absorbing that. And he really becomes part of this, um, this national movement, if you will, mm -hmm. for mercy and forgiveness. And I think now, Doug, at a time when our country is so politically divided, culturally divided, we need this vision mm -hmm. of Thanksgiving that I think Abraham Lincoln saw. And I'll read you, if we have a second, yeah, I'll read ahead. you from the proclamation, which I had never read before. In the Thanksgiving proclamation, which created Thanksgiving as a national holiday and set it on that Thursday, mm -hmm. he said this, Thanksgiving uh, should be a time of penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, fervently imploring God the imposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. Mm -hmm. That was the vision, and I think there's a piece of that that we still desperately need today. Mm -hmm. And I think in, in, in the telling of the book, of course, as you alluded to earlier, in a sense, this was uh, was Lincoln's refuge. Uh, it was the part that reminded yeah. him in many ways of what was really important, even though there were incredible things going on on the political, the military scene, like you said, all that pressure, that ultimately he still had that ability yeah. to relate to his son. 
Yeah, no, well, I think it's so beautiful. Early in the book, you see the boys kind of crashing into a cabinet room and, uh, you know, interrupting a cabinet meeting. And there are many, many accounts from his secretaries, from his cabinet uh, secretaries, saying, wait a minute, we, we, he would let these kids just come in and stop all business. And he'd entertain the craziness that they were bringing in. But to Abraham Lincoln, he was using the moment not only to teach his son, mm -hmm. but to allow his son to teach him. And when I read this as a father, Doug, I kept thinking, you know, there were times where my kids would come in and interrupt me when I'm working, when they were smaller. And, you know, you get annoyed at first, mm -hmm. and then you kind of fall into the play, and you realize we need children. Mm -hmm. As Mother Teresa said, children are a sign that God has not abandoned us. And as I read through this story, as I researched it and wrote it, I kept I kept that in the forefront of my mind mm -hmm. because I think it's true. And we often look at children for, you know, what they can do or what they can accomplish. No, they are gifts to us by being who they are. Right. And they teach us something that we may have lost along the way, and we can teach them something that they'll need down the road. And so it's a beautiful right. story of a father and son, and there are very few books like this that capture that relationship and relate to a national holiday. It's fun for the kids, they're slapstick, but it means something still today. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this was a great story to tell and I needed to tell it. And it hadn't been told and I didn't know why. Right, and, and also, as you know, it goes so fast, much faster than you realize yeah. when you're experiencing it. Mm. And, and a lot of these things that yeah. you put on a higher priority really weren't. No, they don't matter, they don't matter at all. And I think Lincoln was, Lincoln leaned on Tad. You know, he took him to review the troops. He took him to major speeches when he visited with congressmen. Mm -hmm. Tad was always in tow. He was really like a lifeline. I almost think a promise of what awaited on the other side of the war. Mm -hmm. The peace, the joy, the tranquility, the union, the fun. Right. Tad represented all of that to Abraham Lincoln. And the story, you'll see that in this story. And for all of us, I think our children are that to us and should be. I mean, you know, I know we're going to talk a little later about this mm -hmm. musical project, this, right. uh, my album, Christmas Merry and Bright, which is coming out. There's a song on it called Christmas Memories that few people have recorded. It was written for Sinatra. He recorded it once, and then it kind of disappeared. But there's a line in it, Doug, that really ties mm -hmm. to the Lincoln book. And it, it, it goes, um, I close my eyes and see shiny faces of all the children who now have children of their own. And it talks about the Christmas memories. But it does go so fast. Mm -hmm. And the holidays are a wonderful time, not only to reconnect with your family, but to recall and to hold on to mm -hmm. those moments and those memories and extend them into the next generation. Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, here this book, you know, relates to Thanksgiving, a holiday that's really been obscured. Yeah. That, I mean, in September, yeah. it's uh, we're already into, it's Halloween all over the place, and by the time you get close to Thanksgiving, it's already Christmas. So it's like it's not even there yeah. anymore. No, no. And it, well, we've lost it. It's become a holiday of gorging yourself, you mm -hmm. know. It's a gluttony holiday, <laughs> which, you know, maybe you watch a parade, okay. But I thought, let's take the turkey is so emblematic of the holiday. Mm -hmm. And this turkey pardon at the White House still happens annually. This is a wonderful way to connect families and younger kids and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, young people to not only the origins of Thanksgiving, but the meaning it should have in their own lives and the wider, 
meaning it had in the lives of the Lincolns. So, right. I, you know, Doug, I, I, this was another one that I originally, years ago, started writing this as a chapter book, and I stopped and decided to turn it into a picture book, which is harder to write, I have to tell you, because you have to cut a lot. But the audience opens up. You get so many more eyes on the work than you would had you written a chapter book, I think, anyway, if right. your target is families. Right. It's also interesting, too, because, of course, uh, Lincoln pardoned the South, basically, after the war, yeah. uh, which didn't make a lot of people happy, obviously. But you could see uh, that yeah. tendency of his mercy, as you indicated in the book, uh, and also the story he tells early on about having killed a particular bird and passing along how bad yeah. he felt about that as a teaching moment for yeah. his children. Yeah. He would read to the boys at night and uh, tell them stories about his own childhood. And there's that story early on, and I found it, where he related to the boys about shooting wild turkeys in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, he killed this beautiful bird, and he deeply regretted it. And he said, I never picked up a gun again. I never pulled a trigger, you know, and pointed it at a living creature again. Um, and, and, and mercy was really what that story was about. Mm -hmm. And it is the lesson that his boys absorbed uh, most deeply, I think, and certainly Tad. And you see him reminding his father, I don't want to ruin the story for you, but he reminds mm -hmm. his father of that lesson mm -hmm. as time goes on. And I like to think, and again, I'm reading into the historic record, but I like to think that he was also an instrument and a, a motivator for Lincoln mm -hmm. to extend that generous heart and that hand of mercy and forgiveness to people at the time who, um, you know, many said, don't deserve it, you shouldn't right. have it. But he did, you're right, he pardoned the South, he gave them their property back after the war. Um, all of that I see as a function of his personal mm -hmm. family journey as well, and Tad was a huge part of that. Now, a, a big part of this book, obviously, in any of these kind of picture books, is actually the artwork that's done. Now, I, it's yeah. Jackie Davis uh, is the person who yeah. did it, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. How did you yeah. find her? Yeah. Uh, Jackie is a, a illustrator from the UK of all places, mm -hmm. and she has a wonderful sense of character and fun. Um, she also she recreated these historic scenes so beautifully. The backgrounds are just, you know, like 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 uh, movie sets. They're spectacular. Um, so her eye for detail, her, mm -hmm. her sensibility for the character of Tad, mm -hmm. and I love Abraham Lincoln. I mean, it's the only time you will see Abraham Lincoln laughing or doubled over in laughter. And I, I was very upset, Doug, that we've never seen this face of Lincoln, mm -hmm. because if you read the historical account, he would they would often find him doubled over in what they called neighing laughter, playing with the boys, or after a joke had been played on him, he had a high-pitched voice. Uh, so th there are lots of historical accounts of this, but no pictures of it. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I wanted kids to see that face of Lincoln, too. So it's a very different um, Abraham Lincoln than kids might be accustomed to. You know, he's always a very solemn, right. upright figure, you know, with the weight of the world and the heavy lines. Right. I wanted to show the daddy, the, the Abraham Lincoln, the paw, as uh, Tad called him. Right. Okay, that's the magnificent mischief of Tad Lincoln. Now let's get on to uh, yeah. Christmas Merry and Bright. Now, where did the idea <laughs> come about uh, to do a Christmas CD? Well, the, the truth is, Doug, the, the real initial impetus of this came from this audience and mm -hmm. people who've watched me over the years on the World Over Christmas specials. Right, right. You know, I mean, I've sung with Andy Williams and Aaron Neville and uh, you name it. Um, and over the years, 
people have asked me, why don't you do a Christmas CD? Why don't you do a Christmas CD? But you know, I never had the means or the, or the time to do it. So it always slipped through the cracks. Mm -hmm. I was approached by a record producer and asked if I would do a Christmas album. I said, I don't know, you know, I don't want to redo stuff other people have already done. Mm -hmm. um, but they gave me the opportunity to set the repertoire. So I went through songs I've always loved beautiful Christmas carols, some tender contemporary classics. Um, and uh, we got an original arranger, mm -hmm. Kevin Koska, who is such an incredible orchestrator. Kevin did The Greatest Showman, The mm -hmm. Dark Knight, The Passion of the Christ. He orchestrates a lot of the Hans Zimmer film scores. So just an incredible uh, talent. Mm -hmm. Well, Kevin's background is in jazz and big bands. So we went to him, asked him to do original arrangements of these songs, and he did. Mm -hmm. So we put together an orchestra, 20 pieces in New Orleans. Uh, I recorded with the band in the room. Uh, and it was, I went into training now, Doug. This is part of the reason I was hesitant about this. I mean, mm -hmm. you don't just sing in front of a group or, um, you know, sing in public. I hadn't sung professionally in like 25 years. So. I went back into training like a prize fighter would. You go and you, you know, you hit the bags. Uh, I did my scales, uh, did it every week, and kind of found, mm -hmm. you know, my, my center again and uh, remembered the mm -hmm. mechanics of it, which is a lot harder than I recalled, I have mm -hmm. to tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to think about it a lot more than I did when I was younger. But uh, we loved the way it turned out. It was, a, um, for me, it was a, a joy to do it. I think you'll hear that on the right. recording. These guys have been playing together for like 30 years in some cases, Doug. The saxophonists and the trumpets and the, and the, the pianists, they are the premier sidemen in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. We brought them all together and they took these charts and ran in a direction I did not anticipate always. So you adjust, you move. Mm -hmm. I equate it to surfing, Doug. Mm -hmm. You know, you jump on their wave and you just go. And you'll hear that. There's an mm -hmm. excitement in these recordings that I, I, deplore that we've drained so many Christmas recordings and these beautiful Christmas songs of their urgency, their energy, their pop, right. their supernatural excitement. I've tried to reinsert a little of that for the so, season. So as far as when this was put together, and we'll see some images uh, of you actually yeah. singing with yeah. with uh, the NOLA group uh, there, but so was it yeah. recorded basically almost as a live album or, or how was that handled? No, it was recorded over a series of days, but mm -hmm. we did uh, we did everything live. I recorded with the band in the room. Right. But yeah, you, we did about three charts a day. So mm -hmm. it took several days, but um, you know, all the orchestrations obviously were done in advance. But when you're in the room with everybody, it mm -hmm. just changes everything. So it was a little theater in New Orleans in the French Quarter. We all met there. Beautiful acoustics in this place, the Le Petit. And um, uh, like I said, I can always tell the difference when a singer is singing to a track where mm -hmm. they lay down the orchestral right. part weeks in advance and then they bring the singer in. There's a little detachment. You just don't feel that they're together. Here there's no doubt we are in the same room right. and I'm on the ride with them. It's it's great fun. And I found a few notes I didn't know I had. So that's what happens when you're in the room with these guys. It was incredible. So when you went through uh, the songs you were planning on doing. Uh, you know, yeah. did you throw some out? Did, were there ones you had thought you could do, but uh, ultimately the team yeah. decided not to do those? Yeah, there were some songs that I mm. loved that just we didn't have space for or it wasn't right for this album. Mm -hmm. I, look, I wanted, 
I wanted to reinfuse things, and I'll tell you, I mean, it's like, I, I heard the bells, I love that song, mm -hmm. I heard the bells, which is a, an old Wadsworth poem, and it's about, again, it's like Lincoln, finding hope on the other side of despair during the holidays. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we often forget that part of the story. But then there are those grand carols, Doug. Uh, hark the herald angels sing, and go tell it on the mountain, and joy to the world. And I am so tired of sitting at Christmas pageants where, you know, the, the, the chorus comes out. It's very sweet, mostly children, but they kind of flatly sing, hark the herald mm -hmm. angels sing. That's not what the song was written for. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. It's about the birth of Christ. It's God taking flesh and coming into the world at mm -hmm. this moment. And when you unpack those lyrics, they're incredible, particularly the later verses. So we did that on this album. But they're set to a big band. Mm -hmm. They're in a big band setting, uh, it, which gives it its own explosive power and drive. It's infectious, which I think this music is and should be. So. I went and dig, you know how I work, Doug. I go back and I do my research, like I do in all my books. Every song I treated like a little project, a little book. And I dug deep, found backgrounds and origin stories for these songs I never imagined. And I used that to guide not only the orchestration, but my interpretation of it, my contribution to it. And I think together you will hear new nuances and sides of these songs you never expected. And if you read the liner notes, you'll even get right. more background because I, I unpack some of that. Well, Hawk to Harold Angels sing is the end of the Charlie Brown as they go out, but and you sing uh, Christmas Time is here yeah. from Charlie Brown as well. Is that one of your favorites? Yes, which I love. One of my favorite songs. Vince Guaraldi wrote that, you know, Christmas time is here. Oh, right. such a beautiful, sweet song. Um, but it was almost thrown out of the special. Right. CBS hated the jazz soundtrack that Guaraldi had provided. They hated the slow animation, as they called it. And they despised the Bible verse at the end of the, the Charlie Brown Christmas. But the producer, Lee mm. Mendelson, so loved this little stitch of music mm. that that Vince Guaraldi had written as an interstitial. Da 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 da, ba da 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 da. He just wrote it for to cover some animation. He thought it should be a song. Mendelssohn did. So he went home, tried to get lyricists to write it. Guess what? No one would write the song for him. So at his kitchen table, he took up a pen and, like every great American invention, right, right. he wrote the lyrics himself. Christmas time is here. Happiness and cheer. On and on. Um, but it was almost lost. And so. It, there's a melancholy quality to that mm -hmm. song that I've always loved, but it's, um, it also has such sweet, nostalgic memories for all of us, so we do a beautiful treatment of it here. And, uh, Doug, I have to tell you, one of the most exciting things for me about doing this, Jose Feliciano, for right. the first time in his career, agreed to do a new arrangement of Feliz Navidad, his classic, that of course, you can't go to a mall or a, right. or a school or anywhere and escape Feliz Navidad at Christmas. So we did a very tender bossa nova version because Jose wrote it about celebrating Christmas in Puerto Rico. Well, it's not cold in Puerto Rico, it's hot in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. and he was, you know, beating on like, you know, cans and, and, and uh, little drums to celebrate singing Christmas carols with his brothers. Mm -hmm. So. We created this kind of very tender, um, Hispanic-inflected Feliz Navidad that kind of creeps up on you. And it has the celebratory payoff, but uh, I love the beginning of this. It, and Jose did an original flamenco interstitial. It's really beautiful. 
Right. You think you'll do more uh, in your mind, or you want to see how this flies? Well, we'll see. Look, I'm game for anything. I am, as you know, Doug. Look, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a born performer. It's what I do. Um, it, it feel, it felt very natural to me mm -hmm. to be in that setting. Again, I love to sing. Uh, we're going to go on the road. Jose's going to come with me on a few oh, of these wow, dates. Okay. You know, we're doing five or six dates across the country with the orchestra. So um, I see that as kind of a family reunion of everybody mm -hmm. coming together around Christmas and around these songs. And more importantly, who do the songs point to? You know, Mother Angelica used to always say, he's coming, he's coming. You know, she'd walk down the halls excitedly and tell the nuns that, he's coming. We lose that excitement about the reason for Christmas every year. Mm -hmm. So I want to give everybody a good time, let them get swept up in something that's toe-tapping and catchy and we all feel a part of, but point us toward why these great songs were created and mm -hmm. who these great songs were created right. about. Okay. And that's what this, um, for me, this album, Merry and Bright, is about. And it's also right. what the tour is going to be. So if there's another in the offing, I'm game. Yes. Okay. Well, and we're number one on Amazon jazz vocals right now. So, yes, I might do another. Oh, okay. Very good. Of course, The Magnificent Mischief of Tad Lincoln, another child children's book in the works? Yeah, I'm working on a presidential story. Okay. The background of an amazing president. Um, who started out as a as a child in very different circumstances. So uh, that that's coming next. Okay, great. Excellent. Thank you so much for spending time with us, Raymond, with Turnabout Tales, Magnificent Thank Mischief you, of Tad Lincoln, available through our EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com, All Things Catholic, as is the Christmas CD, Merry and Bright. Thank you so much, Raymond Arroyo, for joining us. And as we end the show, we'll Thank you, leave Doug. it with uh, a little bit of Raymond's performance. Thanks, Ray. The first Noel the angels did say Was to certain poor shepherds In fields as they lay In fields where they lay Tending their sheep On a cold winter's night That was so deep 